All right. Super excited for you guys to get to listen to this episode today. Today I sat down and talked with Dan Walters. Dan Walters is a head running coach for DW Running in Chicago, Illinois. DW Running is a running team of 110 people, um, an adult running team. And it's just super awesome to hear from Dan. I think especially because I just don't know of that many, you know, big running teams like this and what he has done, um, you know, in the Chicagoland area and with this team, is just incredible. It was super exciting to get to hear um, how he built this team. And really it just, it wasn't like a set plan. It kind of came out of passion and a need and finding out something he was really good at and was helping people with. And I just, I really love to get to know, like, honestly, his entrepreneur side to building this team, but then also his approach to coaching. And you can just tell by listening to him. I mean, he's really good at what he does. There's a reason they have a wait list. There's a reason no one leaves this, this coaching team. And he drops a lot of really good nuggets on coaching, on mindset as a runner, on really what makes, you know, the best runners, what allows runners to achieve the goals they're going after. And I just think he has a lot of good insight. I'm super excited for you guys to hear from this today. Dan, thanks so much again for coming on and let's dive into this episode. So one day I decided to ask myself, could I break five minutes in the mile? At age 30, could I return to the sport of track and go after my unmet goal of breaking five minutes? Was my body capable of this? Was my mind capable of this? And most importantly, was my spirit capable of pushing through the ups and downs to find the answer? You are listening to Breaking Five, a running podcast, where we search for this answer as well as yours for achieving your Breaking Five moment, whatever that may be for you. We will gain inspiration and knowledge from others who have achieved their Breaking Five moment those working towards theirs, as well as those who have helped the athletes along the way. I'm your host, Kristen Schultz, physical therapist, runner, and running coach. Let's run full force towards our wildest dreams and take a listen to today's episode. All right, welcome back to another episode of Breaking Five, a running podcast. Today, I am here with Dan Walters. He is the head coach of and owner of DW running in Chicago, Illinois, which I feel like is basically in my backyard uh, where I'm originally from. So I'm super excited to get to know a little bit more about what he is doing um, with his running club there and and just get to know a lot more because same thing here. I don't know that much about um, him, but he is a, he knows Mark who um, told me about him. So I'm super excited to get to know what he's doing and how he has made run coaching a full-time thing that he's doing. So um, thank you for being here, Dan. <laughs> Thanks for having me, Kristen. This is uh, going to be super fun. I'm looking to get yeah. to know, know you a little better too. I'm excited. So if you don't mind, I know I gave a little bit of an introduction, but just give our listeners a little bit of an introduction of who you are um, and what you do. Yeah. Um, yeah. Dan Walters, obviously. I uh, am a running coach here, uh, head coach of DW Running in Chicago, Illinois. We are mostly made out of made up of people in Chicago and the Chicagoland suburbs. Um, we offer personal coaching and some people just want the personal coaching side and they'll do their own thing kind of uh, on their own. But we, for everyone we coach, we kind of have a team atmosphere that's really been building recently. So team workouts and team long runs. And uh, when, you know, uh, pandemics are around team races and big team events. And um, so we've kind of turned it from a pretty typical 
personal coaching business into a full-fledged uh, um, um, passionate team that meets regularly in races and, and kind of fights for each other. So um, we're just building this team and trying to kind of hunker down and, and just get tighter and tighter every year. And that's kind of our, our thing. So we um, started this six years ago now officially. I quit my job five years ago, um, which I was a mechanical engineer. Now I do this full time. Um, so now we're just at a good space and, uh, and just kind of get, try to make the team better every year right now. Not really even trying to expand, just kind of in a good place and pushing yeah. forward together. No, that's awesome. And I feel like before I started talking to more people, like I didn't even realize how many, you know, um, you know, tight knit, like running clubs, we say a running club or what's the best way to refer to it as like not yeah. running, that's clubs, a good, running team. I, I, I find it to be kind of a hybrid. I think there are kind of, you know, running groups, which might be kind yeah. of, all comers and loose and, and they're usually high energy and high camaraderie, but they're a little bit, a little bit looser in how they're defined, but they have a really great purpose. Yeah. And then there can be like other, you know, personal coaching uh, things that are very organized and very rigid and very structured. And we definitely have some of that too. We try to be a hybrid of everyone's welcome. If they want to be coached by us, we have no speed or demographic uh, you know, limitations here. Um, so we try to have that inclusivity, but also the high octane, um, you know, uh, probably personal attention and, and knowledge of even a professional kind of training group. So yeah. we try to, you know, we call ourselves a team, could be a club or a group, but um, hopefully we, we feel like a team when you're here. Team. I like it. Okay. Team. I, yeah. I don't think I really knew that there was, I mean, I did, but that there was much out there outside of like, yeah, take like the club level per se, like, you know, running club, like there's running clubs everywhere. And then to you know a professional more elite training team but it's really cool that there's like yeah teams that train together um out there it's just i don't know it's cool to know yeah. I, guess. <laughs> I think it's a space that um there's a lot of i mean there's a lot of groups running together right now a lot it's it's, it's an awesome thing about the internet and about uh, being able to find people in your area and of your speed and of your um you know, mindset and train with them. But I, we, we found a gap where there weren't a lot of, you know, really high octane coaching opportunities for everyone. It was yeah. like, maybe you'll follow a generic plan <laughs> or, or you're really fast. So you get a really detailed plan. We have right. a lot of people from Olympic trials qualifiers to first time runners who are following equally detailed high octane um, plans that can change at a moment's notice for them um, yeah. all getting together and training together. There is no hierarchy of who's better or who gets more attention than someone else on this team. So yeah. I think that atmosphere is what we tried to kind of fill was everyone deserves to have a, um, a, a real big driving force behind them if they want to improve their running and their athleticism. And we, you know, try to fit that, you know, in a big communal setting. Yeah, no, I love that. That's awesome. That's, that's super cool. Um, so, well, let's, I, I want to get dive into what you're doing and everything, but if you don't mind, if we go into your running journey a little bit first, just to know how you got here, um, how did you get into running? When did you start running? Uh, I, my first season of competitive running, I was uh, in seventh grade cross country, really using it to train for basketball in the off season. Uh, my father uh, had been, has been a runner for 50 years now. Um, so he kind of said, hey, this is a thing you can do to kind of get into shape for your basketball season in the winter and the spring. So I ran cross country, no track for seventh and eighth grades. It was okay. I was, I was okay at it because as you know, if you only like something a little bit, you're not going to get that great at it. So I was fine. Um, I, my basketball journey kind of ended eighth grade, freshman year of high school, and then um, my dad, again, being a very um, 
passionate long-time runner said, you know, since you're not in a sport, let's get you in something. Do you want to try track? You know, he was very supportive of it. So I ran freshman year track and then I stopped me across and just started running and um, didn't like it at first. <laughs> I, I kind of sucked and I didn't like it. And, um, but I got better at it. I met a lot of friends through it. I saw that when I would commit myself for a, a day or two or a week or two, I'd start to see some improvement. Yeah. So I got into it. And then uh, my sophomore year, I started training, you know, with guys better than me and got a lot better. And by junior year, I made our varsity team and we were a very good team in Illinois, you know, perennially being at the state meet and having all state runners and um, was able to just throw myself in a little bit more and kind of see, you know, when you put a few months of good work together and you're young, it's like you're throwing gas in a bonfire. So um, it it started pretty quickly and I realized that I had potential and I liked a plus B equals C was a cool thing with running and, and seeing improvement. So yeah. um, started innocently getting in shape for things and eventually just kind of saw the yeah. that we both know quite well. Yeah. And did you, um, so at that point, like by the end of like high school, did you love running then by that point or are you totally. still just kind of doing it? <laughs> no, totally. I'd say, you know, my sophomore to junior year, we, we had such a good team. We were very competitive at the state level that once you'd, you know, we were winning races and, 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 you know, getting all conference and doing cool things as a team. And so success started to breed itself in our team, at least. And um, um, I knew I wanted to run deep into high school. I wanted to run in college. Uh, so those are things that started really driving me. I would train with my father more, with my teammates more. Um, so, no, I really got into it. And um, once I saw, you know, again, some, some cool things happening. Yeah, cool. And where where are you from in Illinois? Just because I'm from kind of nearby. <laughs> I went to Naperville North High School. I grew up in Lyle, Illinois, so a western suburb of Chicago. Probably okay, okay. 45 minutes west of uh, downtown. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, I, just, I have a lot of friends over there in the suburbs and stuff, so just kind of totally. fun to know. <laughs> um, and then you went on to run in college. Yeah, then I ran at University of Illinois. I wasn't good enough to get a scholarship anywhere, so I walked on to Illinois. I, I yeah. was a mechanical engineer, so I knew I wanted to do that somewhere it was between Purdue and Illinois um both programs I could have walked on to for cross country so I walked on to Illinois uh, my parents went there and had some family history um so went to Illinois for cross country and track uh registered my freshman year while I was healthy but just not good enough yet and then got hurt my sophomore year of course when I had my opportunity to compete so I competed a couple times in uniform before I got a really bad Achilles injury um, Achilles tendonitis that turned to Achilles tendinosis and yeah. just the sob story of being an idiot 19 year old training through everything like most 19 year olds are. Right. Um, right. So no, uh, trained too much, trained, uh, at a level that was, was fun to run at for a while, but, um, kind of got dinged up and didn't have a, the same holistic approach I might have now. Um, and so, yeah, my running career at the kind of, um, super competitive level kind of ended, um, my sophomore year of college when I got really hurt. I eventually just kind of got shuffled off the team as I should have been. I wasn't good enough to hold any weight in that team. Um, and then still, still was roommates and friends with all the guys in the team, but, uh, wasn't an official part of it after that point. Yeah. All right. So you, you ran in college for a little bit and then got the, the, the typical got injured. I, our last guest that was on Steph Munt kind of same thing. She was plagued with injuries. Um, and then you, so that was that really like the last of your competitive running, would you say, or are you, are you back to competitive? Pretty much. No, certainly not back. Uh, the Achilles injury I had, I got surgery for it and I, uh, I got a PRP injection for it and all this stuff over the next decade, uh, but never have really gotten back. Um, some is because, um, you know, I, to use the car analogy, I think I still have the engine of an elite runner, but my, my chassis is, I'm still trying to get mobile and strong and, and, 
explosive enough to support um, a body that remembers how to run fairly fast. So I can run 20 or 30 miles a week at times and it's fun, but also um, I don't want to get too carried away or take away from my coaching right now. I like to run yeah. with our team, yeah. not try to be part of our elite team or anything. Um, uh, so yeah, it's, it's very casual. I bike a lot. I lift weights. I go for my four mile runs, pretty just kind of maintenance stuff to have fun with it. Yeah. Well, what yeah. led you in? What led you in? I'm still getting this echoing. Dang it. Let me just try something really quick. It's, it's on my end. <clears throat> okay. Let me see. I haven't had this happen before. Don't know why. Let's see. It's still echoing. Let me just. All right, let's see if it echoes this way. Any better? Not echoing without my mic. Let me try to put my mic back in. All right, am I echoing? We'll hope I'm okay. Let's just. I don't, okay, you sound good on this end. Yeah, I don't think it was anything on your end. It's just my okay. end. So you're good. <laughs> All right, so what? Um, shoot okay anyways we'll just go ahead what what led you to getting into run coaching then i mean you're injured you didn't even finish your college career like you, you didn't just hang up and right. be done with running <laughs> well you know during my sophomore year I, you know i was i'd always been more of a numbers data guy um during my sophomore year as, as i was competing well my sophomore year of cross country i uh just started getting into the physiology, the psychology of, of running and of coaching. Um, you know, or, 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 I, sh I shouldn't say coaching yet, but of, of running. Uh, so as I was doing my mechanical engineering studies mm -hmm. and, uh, and running so much, I started to buy Lydiard books and Jack Daniels book that everyone has and just started reading. So three things happen at the same time. I'm, I'm starting to learn coaching stuff just because I was interested. Um, I got injured at the same time and I met my girlfriend, now wife, kind of all in the same six or eight weeks. <laughs> um, so I had all this passion that I was starting to build for running, not just that I was good at it and I liked it, but why certain things worked and, yeah. and, and I know where to put it because I was now frustrating and injured and bummed. Um, so my girlfriend at the time was a parallel so we parallel so we team and she wasn't injured, she wasn't injured, but things were losing her loving and that team and that team. Various reasons, various reasons, and um, but so I was running, so I got all this new knowledge. I met this girl I like a lot. I'm getting, I'm getting that. Oh. Sorry, it's sorry, like it's like I haven't had. I haven't had. Oh, sorry. Um, I'm getting bad echoing. Dang it! What the heck? That's okay. It's like it was like really bad. It was like you almost like had a different voice going on. And <laughs> what the heck? Okay, let me. I'll just like try to stop recording. Maybe it's. I hope it's like not my internet because I recently moved and I don't know. Mm. Let's do this. Let's try this. I have access to someone else's internet because she lives nearby too. Let's just, <laughs> um, if that works. Okay. We're going to try this. Sorry, Nate, you're going to be editing a lot. All right. Let me try to talk a little bit. Let's see if it's not echoing yet, but yeah, no, it was like all over. <laughs> Okay. Don't be just. What were you gonna say? Sorry. Forget. Oh, dang it! I can't hear you. What the heck? Sorry. One second. Sorry, I can't. Hmm. 
hear you now, but no visual. No visual. Okay, let's see no. if this. No, I got you. I got you on both. It's good now. Let me. I guess I could try going into. Well, let's see if it's better. It's not doing it right now. Okay. Dang it. I think you were. You were you saying if I want you to start over? Well, the, the the question. I'm not sure how it's best to splice. Yeah, it probably because I, I think. I've given this answer a lot. I can do it again. <laughs> Sorry. Probably the no, whole part of where you like. You got injured, met yeah. your wife, and... Do it again. Yeah, no worries. Okay, it's not doing it. Ugh, okay. We'll try this again if something else happens, then I'm going to have to figure something else out. I don't know why. No problem. Stuff happens. Yeah. Okay. Um, so you can just go ahead and just like just start talking about yeah, so how I'll, you met all the other things, basically. Yeah, I mean, so, so when I was, um, you know... Uh, at my, at my running my fastest and kind of getting into cross country in my sophomore year, uh, kind of three things happened at once. I was, you know, running fairly well. I, I met my girlfriend, now wife, and uh, I, I just kind of, because I was deep enough into the sport, started to get a desire and a passion to learn about the sport. So buying uh, Lydiard, a couple Lydiard books and a Jack Daniels book and the lore of running and, and some cool stuff I was digging into. So um, starting to build some knowledge on not just, you know, uh, what uh, worked, but why it worked in running and, and figuring yeah. that out because my, my analytical side had a kind of a craving for that. So that was happening right when I got hurt and I was meeting my girlfriend and had all this new knowledge. So um, she, for a quick parallel story, uh, was on the women's team at, at the University of Illinois. She was on her way out of the team, just didn't quite have the fire to do it much anymore, but still wanted to run. Yeah. Um, so as we were dating, it's not advisable, I don't think, but uh, I started writing her not even, I wouldn't even call it coaching her, but just writing her a plan to a, um, to a kind of a half marathon, just kind of a back of the napkin type thing. Yeah. And she ran really well, um, way faster than we expected. It was cool to give her a workout, to see it happen well or not well, and then to make an adjustment and do it again and, and kind of watch again, the A plus B equals C thing kind of play out, um, on that analytical level. So, uh, as we dated, I wrote her a few schedules a year as she did half and full marathons qualified for Boston and kept running pretty fast. And, and then super long story short, soon her friends started asking me to coach them <laughs> and her friends, friends and family. And I'm doing it all for free and I'm making it all up and I kind of don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> but when you coach for free, you can make a lot of mistakes and no one really cares because all of it's bonus. Right. So I just kept trying to coach as many people as I possibly could friends, family, relatives, coworkers, and um, admit to them, I'm going to make a lot of mistakes, but I'm not going to charge you anything. And I'm going to go to war for you doing yeah. this. And I just did that for like five years and learned everything by just throwing it all against the wall and watching it either stick or not. So it was a long yep. experiment. Just going back to engineering stuff, it was a long experiment for five years on how to actually do this. Yeah, no, I love that. And I love that you just threw, like you said, you just threw yourself out there, just did it. You're like... I don't know what I'm doing. I'm okay. I'm going to make a bunch of mistakes. And then on top of it, you're like, okay, yeah, I'm not charging. So I feel okay. Like, Hey, like, and then it's working and like, how awesome. I love that. That all just kind of, you know, came together. And then, so then what happened from there? Like, did that lead into you doing this full time or were you, did you yeah. not like engineering was, in the process or what was going on? <laughs> I always liked numbers and data and playing with things, but I was, I was working for a firm that did a, you know, a design for nuclear power plants so that we would do either, you know, designing new plants or upkeep and maintenance for existing plants, which is fun and fine and actually kind of exciting work. But I was never like, I had to work really hard to, I thought, do an adequate job. Um, so it was never super fulfilling for me. I mean, it was just, 
it was always like pulling teeth actually. Um, but, but I, again, I, I kind of liked it, kind of didn't. Um, but I was doing this business, you know, I started working there in 2009, a place called Sergeant Lundy. I uh, worked until 2015, so six or, six, or six or seven years doing that. But as I was building this business or this just <laughs> coaching ability, I wasn't even yeah, a business, yeah. uh, coaching three, five, eight, 10, 15 people just for free on the side, oh my gosh. <laughs> uh, friends, family, and relatives. When I got the 25 uh, in 2015, <laughs> it was turning into leading long runs on the weekends and having weekly phone calls with every athlete and texting constantly. It was turning into a full-time job on top of my full-time job. Right. And my wife and I talked, it's, if you're going to make this happen, our lives are getting way too full we'll do both for you to do both these. Now we have to kind of pick one. And right. I pushed her, my wife, Allie, to let me do this earlier than we thought financially feasible because we saw the trajectory was pretty high. And if I didn't quit till too late, yeah. I might've not made it. I had to kind of quit so I could make the jump yep. <laughs> and probably quit before I was actually ready. I was still definitely making less than minimum wage. If you average it all out for a year, yep. but back in 2015 quit and, um, and, and, and made a jump again, it just built slowly to there. And we figured with the trajectory, we can probably make this leap um, and her still having a full-time job. So yeah. Um, 2015 was the start of this in its formal sense. No, that's awesome. I've definitely done similar things in business and I'm, I don't know that it's, who knows who could say what's the right choice, but it's worked out. But yeah, definitely making that jump before you're like, financially, most people would say maybe you're not ready, but also you're like, well, there's a time there's always, there's, it's never a perfect time because you have like this, okay, yes, financially, I'm not quite, but time-wise I, you know, so it's like deciding between the two, but if you see yeah. the trajectory and it's going well, then like, right. If you have the opportunity and you have, you know, and you have, um, you know, risk reward balance, you have to think about and all kinds of stuff in that, in those veins, there's never a right answer on it. So it's like, if you're feel you're in the right position, um, go for it. Yeah. You know? Just listen to your gut. Just do it. <laughs> yeah. At a certain point. So does your wife get a lot of credit for this getting formed? You know, you started coaching her and. <laughs> well, she had to be a rock star runner, what she is, um, <laughs> hard worker, not injury prone, uh, passion for the sport. Yeah. She had, she had everything it took to get better. And that was, that was awesome. Um, and then no, she's, and she's also right now the, the guts behind everything besides the coaching. So she yeah. runs, a, she quit her job two years ago to run the awesome. team. So she does team events, corporate sponsorships, our website maintenance, lots of social media brainstorming, uh, apparel gear through our sponsor. I mean, <laughs> everything except coaching people Allie does. And it's an in, it, integral part of having a team that works well. Can't just be coaching. Yeah. Full, we try to give a full ecosystem and she is the entire ecosystem as Allie. So that's awesome. Um, yeah. She's, she's the furnace behind what we're building here. <laughs> and it started because if you hadn't coached her, like who knows, like had you. Bingo. Yeah. Domino and the most important domino. <laughs> what, um, did you, did you know that you want to do business at all? Like, did you ever have like an aspiration to do anything business wise? <laughs> No, uh, never had an entrepreneurial bug in my life. When I started coaching, was only doing it as an interest because it was fun to do. Yeah. To figure things out. And even when I had 10 or 15 people, I just thought there's no way this could be a business. It's really fun. And, it, and maybe it'll make me a few dollars on the side, but it, there's, I never had a thought of it till we just kept getting so many inquiries that yeah. it started to seem like this, we have to fill this demand. And I, I guess, I guess I could do this. Yeah. But I never thought of it till right at the very end when we, kind of started thinking about numbers, but it was never a goal the whole time, a drive. I've never taken a business class in my life. 
uh, stuff like that. Um, but we just kind of figured it out together because it built so slowly. It has seemed like 10 years from 2010 to 2020, pretty much of like slowly learning. We never had, besides me quitting my job, I never true jumping off point. Yeah. Um, it was just a 10 year education and slow building from one person to 110. Yeah. No, that's awesome. So you're at 110 now. You you were coaching up to 25 free at one point though, right? Was that what you said? It might have been 50 or 20 free and I was charging <laughs> okay. a couple. Okay. And then, and then, yeah, we started to see the potential in it when I, when I quit. But um, I, I don't even know the numbers, the timeline numbers on that stuff. It just kind of slowly started. And once we, once I had my first person asked, I didn't know. Yeah. Uh, I, I started charging that person a very small okay. amount. Yeah. And, and built up. Um, Did you and, have any- the team grew, I built up oil, we charged stuff like that. Yeah. Did you have an issue like charging at first or were you like, you know, like switching from that? Oh, I just do this for fun and free to yeah. like, okay, I'm gonna make this a business. Absolutely. I mean, there's, I've always had imposter syndrome where I'm, I'm not sure if what I give, you know, is worth it. Uh, even though we have a wait list and have a lot of, no one leaves and all this demand, it always seems like that kind of a, are we doing the things the right way or am I justified to charge money for our expertise and our, and our team deliverables? It's, it's something that's always, ate at me um but yeah especially at first it's hard to know am i ready am, am i trusted am i knowledgeable enough to do this and i think it's natural to have those feelings um and you can always try and if you don't get any more bites or if the person leaves you or you get negative feedback you can go back on that but um yeah i think a lot of people are, are afraid to charge for their time their expertise um if you have something that's worth it the market will tell you it's worth it right Right. No, exactly. Runners who want to improve and, and be part of a community or whatever you're, whatever you're offering. Yeah. What do you think it is about your coaching that, you know, has, you know, made it a business, has made it worth it in a sense of, you know, why did it work? What are you so good at that? It like, it, it, it just worked into a business. <laughs> well, here's gonna, my imposter syndrome is going to, yeah, really yeah you got to talk about yourself. I'm making you talk about yourself. So <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Um, I think at first I, I think I've always been, good at um, reading a runner and their work, just the, the technical side, reading a runner and what they've done, their workouts, their long runs, their, 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 their feedback to me, and then, then taking their plan and adjusting it and having those like micro adjustments as we go. So I've really yeah. been good at taking someone and week to week helping them, um, you know, um, put out small fires and, and improve a little bit every week, every month. Those like micromanagement things. Uh, again, yeah. Uh, probably the engineering background kind of that and <laughs> yeah. analysis part and that's still there i try to do that every day with everyone as soon as this call hangs up i'm gonna do more little adjustments for our weekend plans and our plans for next week yeah um but then what's what's kept this fire burning why we get so many inquiries and why it's even during the quarantine we've seen more interest in our team than ever before um is because i think the energy I bring is good. Yeah. Um, and I, we try to only bring on people who are also positive, high energy, um, want to give more into a team than the team gives back to them. And it's kind of this, just this locomotive that seems like it's got to stop at some point, but <laughs> it, it hasn't. And I think people want to jump on and we want folks to jump on with us if they want to just work their ass off. They want to have some fun. They want to get better and they want to do it with people who want the same. Yeah, no, that's awesome. I love that. You know, it's like the energy that they bring in, like you, I think you alluded to it at some point, like you're not just going to bring on anyone. It seemed like, at least from what you were saying, like if they're going to, if they're not of the same energy, then <laughs> that would it, just- It usually doesn't work out anyway. If they're a negative person- You're going to turn them. <laughs> right, yeah, they'll leave in a few months and that's fine. You know, some yeah. folks change their mindset, but um, if, yeah, 
it, uh, it really, it, I really do think that if we lead with energy and optimism and, um, and inclusivity that will bring those types of people on, we'll, we'll, we'll magnetize those folks over to us. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And now, so you're at 110 athletes and you're kind of capped out. It sounds like right now for where you're yeah, at. I, uh, we have four assistant coaches, okay. uh, my father and three local, uh, coaches who are all awesome. Um, one has still has some capacity the other three are capped. Yeah. And, and I'm capped. Uh, I, I just can't take anyone on. So we have a wait list of about six to 12 months if you want to be coached by me. And, um, but we have assistant coach availability at the current time um, with a few folks. Um, so yeah, that's kind of, yeah. And we, and we always also find this hundred number, 110 is probably as much as we can support at right. some of our events. 50 or 60 athletes come out for a long run with hydration, again, under normal non-pandemic conditions, but hydration and full-time face-to-face coaching. Um, we don't want to dilute the, the the high quality that we give yeah no i like that what is your is there like a cap of like a number of athletes you yourself can coach have you found like because you said i'm capped like is there a certain amount yeah i i, I count about 80 to 85 um i have a weekly call with every single person on that i coach oh, wow. uh, and every coach does so when they coach yeah. 10 they fit their 10 15 minute calls in amongst their week but when i do it i put them all on a monday or a tuesday so i'll talk from 8 a.m to 7 p.m oh monday God. and tuesday just just rapid fire to every person on the team that I coach. Yeah. Um, it's something that, you know, it takes a lot out of me. But yeah. um, one of the things I missed when I was running competitively was even as part of a smaller team, you know, like U of I, I only was on a team of 18 or 20 people. Yeah. Um, I never felt like the co- coaches actually knew a ton about exactly how my life and my running was going. Right. Was it a big study week for me? Was I sick? That I have a bum hammy that I was kind of hiding yeah. stuff that might slip under the radar when you're part of a team that just meets and then does a workout and then you, you, you do your lifting and you go home. Exactly. I want to actually ask, Hey, Kristen, how was your week? You had a temple run last week. How did it yep. go? Your last yeah. mile fell off. What'd you feel during that? You right. Know, I want to actually make you, make you tell me and I get good at reading people after 10,000 of these phone calls. Right. <laughs> so, that is, so I cap that at 80 because that's as much as I can take in a week, I think, and keep my sanity. Oh my um, so um, that, that's kind of the, the week, the, the, um, the, uh, the capping point is, is how many calls I can have. So, okay, more the call side than the training. And that's what, if I want to run the team at a low, higher qual- quantity, lower quality, I could probably coach 150 or 200, but I would okay. lose what, what makes me excited to coach, which is right. connection to a person. The one-on-one and getting to talk with them. Well, that's impressive still, I think, like 80, I can't imagine. Like, you're doing the plans too, plans and calls? Right. So, I mean, I, 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 write, I, I call on Monday and Tuesday, everyone. I usually have Wednesdays a decompression day, catch up on emails, texts, and all the bigger term items me and my wife are doing. Yep. And Thursday, Friday, I, I do schedules for the next week. Okay. Saturday, the long run, Sunday, probably have a little bit of a weekend. Okay. And get back to it on Monday. So, yeah. Um, just how I. How you operate yeah, that makes sense, though. It seems like a good kind of, you have that decompression day in between, for sure. It took 10 years to figure it out, but I figured it out this year. Yeah. But, it, but, it, but you figured it out. And have, so talking about, like, figuring it out, have you had any mentors or anything like that? Or have you kind of seem like a person that just does and just figures it out. But have you had any mentors that, you know, throughout this process? Yeah. Um, as, far, as far as, like, the business team side, there's an awesome coach in Chicagoland. She's up in the Northwest Burbs. Her name's Jennifer Harrison. Okay. Um, she's awesome. Total ass kicker, uh, elite level triathlete. Now she's an elite level master's athlete, just doing awesome. And she coaches really well. And we partnered with her group in the winters for some hill work and some cool okay. stuff. 
I know her because my father and my father's my other mentor, but my yeah. father coached her 25 years ago and oh, wow. she's going to make her own business and um, it's just awesome. So I asked her, you know, when do I start charging? How much should I start charging? How do you do these things? A lot of backend things or just how right. do you lead a team or, and, and how do you own own what you're doing um, kind of stuff. So she was super kind and patient with me, like right when I was starting asking all the annoying questions. <laughs> um, but, but she's amazing person just to know. And I still bounce things off her and just um, stay in contact with her because she's a positive, good person. Yeah. Um, and then my father, as far as like coaching and my overall style and intensity and yeah, hopefully positivity um, come from my father, Dave Walters. Um, so I, I coach like him. I hopefully talk and, and act like him uh, at least a little bit because that's, <laughs> Uh, what I've modeled this after, and, and he's gonna as soon as he retires in the month, he'll come onto our roster full time and, and, and be an awesome part of our team. That's so awesome. um, those two in particular really led me down this uh, down this path. Yeah, awesome. And he's the one that got you. I mean, obviously introduced you to running. And I know yeah. from a little bit from your bio, it is said like he was a pretty high level runner, right? For a while. Yeah, I mean, state champion in high school in the two mile in cross country, and then in college he was an all American. And then after college, he made the Olympic trials in 1988 in the marathon. He ran 219. Then he goes and gets into duathlons, which is age group twice at the world championships. And now he's gotten back into marathons and won a world marathon majors age group title at 11 different majors, you know, Chicago, New York, and, and Boston, stuff like that. So That's as far awesome. as when he was 17 to now being 65 years old, so 48 years, um, he's been national to world caliber at, at running uh, and, and distance stuff. So he's not only, a, you know, someone to model myself after as far as like, you know, the, the physical feats, but also just the mental drive, love the sport, the, um, the positivity through ups and downs. He's, he's the guy to look at. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's awesome. Um, and I love what you were saying before too, about, um, Jennifer too. Like, so those two are your mentors and I think it's really cool that she's local and she's a coach and you guys, you know, she's helped you, you know, like, I don't know. I just think it's always cool when people are like of that mindset that like me helping you, it doesn't make you know, me any less, it, you know, we can help each other. I mean, I think that's m mainly common, but there are, I don't know, you hear of things out there where it's like, oh, competition, like, but I mean, you know, obviously not at all. So it's always nice when that's right. I mean, pay it forward type stuff, you know, she helped right. me get, so I mean, I've, you know, I've had conversations with Mark, who's doing a great job. We interviewed you know, a couple of podcasts ago. Yep. Um, and, you know, I, I know he'll pay it forward to someone and just right. like it was paid forward to me. Like my dad gave things to Jennifer, Jennifer gave it to me, I gave it to Mark. It's a cool, yep a cool way and the more teams and positive leaders that we have in the sport the the better our sport's going to be at the, right. at the super high levels at the at the collegiate level and high school level and just as the, our age groupers like us we want to have a better broader sport so why can't we spread that and then yeah. every time i get a, even an ounce worried <laughs> i go back to being confident myself you know yep. i'm a good coach and just teaching mark how to coach better is not going to you know, be bad for me because I, I believe in myself and I think we can both be good coaches and right. I don't think we're, we're, um, we're, we're taken or, or given no. to each other. I think we're just no. building independent, cool things. I think, you know, so let's be kind and, and awesome to each other and any coach who sh won't share workouts or share <laughs> business plans and things, it's a major insecurity thing of someone yeah. who just doesn't get it. There yeah. aren't secrets anymore. No. <laughs> and give and be yeah. positive and support if you're good enough you'll make it on your own right people have enough opportunities so yeah um, i'm trying to make everything we do public in every possible sense yep. strava instagram facebook if you have a question i'll get i'll give you any training plan i've written for anyone ever it's yeah. not proprietary i think the proprietary thing about our team is how we do it how we communicate 
and our energy and our and our love for each other. So um, yeah, yeah, it's like there's nothing out there that's like not out there that you couldn't find, you know, like, you know, in general, like for any business, like you can find what you need. It's you're putting it together. You're providing the energy to get it done. Um, you know, and oh, yeah, yeah. It's, all, it's all goes a lot better when we uh, have more friends and enemies and more and more, you know, compatriots than competitors. Right. Right. So what's your vision for um, DW running then going forward? That's a really good question. Uh, honestly, we don't think about it that much. Uh, it really is like work. We, I mean, we think about it in terms of training. You know, right. um, everyone's right. got what they want to do in the next week. The, uh, the micro cycle, their macro cycles. We sit down with pretty much everyone and go, "What's your year going to look like as far as builds and things?" Um, and what you know, and then our elite athletes. We usually talk about the Olympic cycle we're in. You know, how can we make the next Olympic yeah. trials and cool stuff like that? But on the business or the team side. Um, we're going to keep it capped as far as the amount of athletes yeah. at this low hundreds type place, because I don't want it to be a super unwieldy thing. It's, it's right. not an all commerce team where you can just, everyone can just come. We do accept all people, but, um, we want to keep the number low enough that we can give, I can really get to know Kristen, like really get to know you yep. and, and not just see you in a long run once in a while and, and right. pretend to know you. I want to like, know. Oh, what's her name again? <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. People are surprised. I know everyone on the team, but we bring people on so slowly. Everyone feels like family and friends. I want to keep that. So we want to keep the inclusive, the, um, the, uh, the camaraderie and the, the, uh, just the, um, the bond that we all have by keeping numbers contained and then slowly just becoming better. Um, with a lot of the, you know, um, you know, social unrest and black lives move matter stuff. We've actually been getting in more into the community the last few months. So we want to do more volunteering and more, um, ways to give back to my, I mean, various minority groups, you know, do things for women's running, do things for LGBTQ running, do things for, uh, for minority running, uh, racially. Yeah. So those are the big initiatives for us as well is to become a better part of our community at large, not just running, yeah. but, um, how can we spread our positivity to Chicago, but Chicago running. Right. In particular. right. No, I love that. I love that. It's like, yeah, it's a team. And, but it, you know, as you just, I don't know, you just don't see that that often that there's like this, this team at, as an adult that you can have that, those opportunities and there's so much power behind that. Like you're not even just a running team. You're doing, you know, things throughout yeah. the community. That's really cool. Don't, don't you miss that Kristen? <laughs> don't I miss it? Yeah, I do. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's why I was missing it badly. And so when yeah. I was first personal coaching on islands, like I had 20 people just doing their own workouts, it didn't make sense to me. We can, yeah. do better, we can, we can all do better than this if we, you know, combine forces and meet right. for things. If we have different goals, different different places, live in different places, you only make one run a month. Yep. You can still throw your bit of energy on the, on the campfire and, and help it burn a little bit brighter. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's awesome. Like, why, why can't you do that? Why does, I always did feel like, like, why do, why does sports have to end after, you know, high school and stuff? Like, I mean, it makes you a better person anyways. Like, you know, having like a team, whatever it is, like, why is our only team, like our job, you know, I feel like after, after school is all done. True. Yeah. And I, I think it's something once folks, some folks bounce around coming to our team. Once they see, oh yeah, this is not just a team that calls itself a team. They actually care about each other and do things. Not that there aren't great opportunities like that outside of us in Chicago, but yeah, um, I want to keep fostering that. So to answer your, your question from a couple minutes ago, it's to become a better, I mean, we're going to become faster because I think we're doing the right things on the training side, but to yeah. keep becoming a better team, more cohesive, more together, to build our greater community, to do yeah. just this thing together. Yeah, awesome. Very cool. 
um, kind of off topic, not really, but do you guys do any, uh, do you have a, do you do track training at all? Do you have any, a group of people that like train for track races at all? Uh, we, I always leave, uh, desired racing up to the athlete. I think most coaches or teams do. So we, we don't have like, you have to do these things necessarily. Yeah. So some people will do a marathon, marathon, marathon for a couple of years and say, you know, I really want to do an indoor track season because I've never done it. Sounds fun. Or I haven't done it since high school. Yeah. And so then we'll, we'll do that. But every year we probably have five to 15 people that want to do indoor track and then maybe some outdoor track okay. um, type stuff. And it can be a varied group. And I typically want people to always do a speed cycle before a marathon cycle. So I say, if you've never done this, maybe get into it it's kind of fun uh there's not a lot of opportunities because you know for post collegians open meets aren't super um all over the place like they were when we were 18 but um we do um and so we have some folks doing um indoor outdoor track every year uh and a a growing number we we would have had our biggest number yet do outdoor track if outdoor track meets okay yeah into it because i know i'm 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 excited about your journey uh (laughs) How dead down towards sub five. So I hope you can find a group over in Florida there. Yeah, no, I got to, I, I, that's what I still have to work to find a running community here not work. I know where I'm going to, I know what to do. I just haven't taken the time to right. do that yet since I've been yeah. here. Um, but no, I need to do that for sure. There's no way I'm doing a track season without people to train with. Like, that <laughs> just, no, that hurts way. Hot track sessions are need, uh, need misery loves company on that stuff. Yeah. Yep. No, you have to have. <laughs> yeah. And I think I saw like in the Chicagoland area, it seems like there aren't that many meets that are open, at least because I was just back there. I was living back in Kenosha before I moved down here. And um, I stayed on the Wisconsin side for the most part to enter any um, open track races. They tend to have more up there. It seemed like, right. unless I just wasn't searching the right ones, but I was trying to find schools in the Chicagoland area and they didn't have a ton well, of open. Actually, there are a fair amount in Wisconsin now that you mentioned it. I mean, there's a lot of D3 meets I feel that are open and competitive. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we it's like over time you kind of learn the ones. So there's like three or four indoor meets that we'll do as a team every year. Okay. Um, at various places from early February to kind of mid to late March. Yeah. Um, and then same outdoor stuff. It's mostly you know good D three schools that have a good track and and uh, a nice open policy on on who can come to those. But um, yeah, so for us, it, you know, we can find five to eight meets from February through May that you can compete in. And I always find if you do a good solid winter of mileage and, and speed focus. Uh, our team being a mostly a marathon team, we could have a good spring, summer, fall of marathoning. So it has definitely come into a, being a cornerstone of our team is getting more and more people slowly. It's a hard sell for, for the road warriors, but uh, a sell to developing some speed when it's cold and crappy outside. Yeah, no, exactly. Uh, and you, like you, a lot of your people on your team train for marathons. I know it's all over the place, but I know in your bio, at least you had said that, you know, you specialize in training people for the marathon. Probably 90% of people who, who would call themselves marathon first. Okay. Again, yeah. Some people, and I encourage everyone every 18 months, I usually say to do hopefully every 12, but at least every 18 to, to not do a marathon cycle for a okay. actual full, not just to race a 5k on a whim to do a 5k cycle, to do a 10k yeah. or a half marathon or a mile cycle to give you a mental break. I just, yeah. I just don't think it's healthy for your long-term improvement to, to keep doing the same thing all the time. Um, but also physically to work on different energy systems to, you know, um, get on a track versus the roads, get on hills versus right. flat, just to do something that feels different to your bones and ligaments and joints and fascia uh that you have that's different than marathon pace and and, and long runs and and grinders like that so um yeah we are 90 percent marathoners but we do cycle pretty much everyone in and out of speed phases so that your marathon pace never hopefully never starts to feel that hard yeah um, 
we want to keep you fast. No, I like that. Cool. No, and that's, I mean, that's good that they can all come together if they're mainly all, you know, marathoners too, they come together around that. Um, right. I personally, I don't know. Like, I still like, I don't know about like, having a, I've ran one. I didn't train for it. Um, I ran it. I didn't train. So that was fun, but I haven't trained for a marathon. So, <laughs> and now I'm like in this, you know, Oh, you know, I'm going to do speed work, but I actually was just recently like with all this going on and not, you know, kind of feeling a little bit like, okay, I need a new goal. I'm like, maybe I'll train for a marathon. <laughs> like, because I just need something crazy to do right now. But I just, Domino, Kristen, that's it. What? That's it. I got to do it. Domino. Yeah. It'll happen. <laughs> I like, I just, I, and this would be my excuse. So there's always an excuse, but I love speed stuff. It's probably the same thing. Like maybe I need to do a little bit of longer because that is where I'm weaker. I'm definitely more of like a mid distance runner naturally. Like I don't act naturally. I feel like have like the endurance. I mean, I do, but it's just not, you know, I'm going to be more on the speed side of things. So it right. probably would be good for my running, honestly. <laughs> it probably would. And you can always keep speed as part of, you know, when I do take a track athlete and coach them for a marathon, um, yeah. I always want to keep, keep their strength, their strength for you, your strength. Yeah. is your strength. So I'd yeah. want to keep that neuromuscular, that explosiveness, that, uh, that power as part of your marathon training. It might slightly negative affect your marathon, but Kristen's going to feel better doing that and have more yeah. confidence. And know yeah. that I'm not losing my speed. I'm, I'm still fast yeah. while my salaries are growing and I'm doing tempo runs and yep. um, you, you can make hybrids. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that would definitely be key. And it is partially like, yeah, is it, you know, you know, keep my strength, my strength, but also a little like mental too. Like if I'm not doing something like, you know, fast, like that's what makes me feel good. Like, you know, yeah. I like, that's what I like. Even that's in college, be fun. we would do hill training and I would be like, but I feel slow on this. Like if we do a speed workout then I feel fast. Like, so can we do a right. speed workout? <laughs> that's a great point too. Uh, not that we're having, not that we need to go into like super in depth uh, training psychology stuff, but uh, <laughs> I, I do give a lot of workouts that maybe aren't even the most beneficial for a person. Yeah. Um, but because the person likes them historically or just the way they make them feel, right. they will be more beneficial. You'll, you'll go harder on them. You'll get yeah. more confidence out of them. You'll want to foam roll and stretch and eat better after them <laughs> because you like the way they make you feel. Yep. Um, so scratching your own itch is, is, a, is something that I do believe is, is important to not just do be a robot and do what you think is best all the time or what's supposed to be best. You got to bread your, you know, butter your own bread sometimes. And yeah. Yeah. The like along the way. Yeah. No, I'd probably have to keep doing that if I do a marathon. Yeah. So well, it might be, it might be a 26.2 solo too. So it'll be fine. Hopefully not down there in the summer. Hopefully not. No, I'll wait till like, I'll wait till January. <laughs> January sounds like a good time. <laughs> what? So since you've trained a bunch of marathoners, like what's the key to, I guess we'll start with like running a good marathon. Like what do you feel like is the key um, to getting your athletes faster? Yeah, super good question. Um, but imp uh, my, my athletes are going to know I, I like to dodge a lot of questions like that. Yeah, um, I'm going to say probably a fairly generic answer and say consistency. Mm -hmm. um, and that can be in a, a ton of different things. Uh, that's consistency of your routine, consistency of the little things that you know that you need. Uh, strength work and, and eating well and hydrating and sleeping. Yeah. Um, um, but also consistency of training, obviously. So uh, if you're running 70 miles a week, one week, and then 25 the next, and then 70 and 25, and you can't get in that rhythm, maybe rhythm is even a good word too, consistency and rhythm. The marathoners that do best aren't necessarily the ones I find that train the most. That's definitely a big thing. Mileage yeah. is king or queen in the marathon. <laughs> um, but it's rhythm. Can you kind of find a thing that you can do every week? My runs are like this. 
I foam roll at this time of the day. I wake up at this time of the day. I eat yeah. snacks here. And you find this rhythm that's just unbreakable because the marathon will break you if you're not have an airtight routine and a consistency. Yeah. Um, yeah. That you can absorb the volatility of work, kids, jo- you know, uh, um, all this COVID stuff. Uh, yeah. There's a lot of volatility. And if you have a rock solid routine, it doesn't mean you never fall off the routine, but it means right. that if you do, you come right back to this like really – uh, you know, formidable routine that can just roll week after week. Little injuries can happen. Little abnormalities can happen. But I push people so hard. The folks that improve the most are not the folks doing home run workouts every week are always the ones running 100 mile weeks. It's the ones that yeah. do good B, B plus work for 16 or 12 or a good three months of work. Yeah. So it's rhythm. Yeah, that rhythm. I like that. I like the rhythm too. Like, and not just in training, it's like everything in life too. <laughs> right. It, 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 it truly, we, you know, I don't think, yeah, I'm going to try to keep going for a second. No, uh, you're good. I kind of said rhythm there. Um, you know, if you, if you look at, you know, our elite athletes versus maybe ones that aren't, or the folks that really improve versus the ones that didn't, yeah. it's kind of correlated the training volume or how, you know, how fast their speed is. It's much more the 22 hours a day they're not running or doing strength work yeah. or the really routine. And when they go to bed and get up, not yeah. just, I hope to get up early for my run. They know from a week out, they're getting up early at four 30 on Wednesday for their track workout. That's not even yeah. a decision. It's just happening. Yeah. That's, that's how I know someone's going to improve or that they're already at the elite level going to make the jump to making a BQ time, making the Olympic trial, Olympic yeah. trials. Are you routine? Are you willing to be routine for years and watch like incremental gains? Yeah. That's how you're going to get better. Then the other stuff is for the coaches to think about. We'll fix your right. workout to make sure you're doing the right stuff. But can yeah. you use the routine at home that is rock solid, unbreakable? Yeah. yeah. No, I love that. That's, I mean, that's super powerful. And I feel like that's, uh, that's like good thing for me to hear too. Cause I, I'm like naturally not a very structured routine person, which I've found through entrepreneurship. And so I've found that running is what has actually kept me structured. If anything, which I didn't realize when I was younger, it was like running and school, like having those set things like that, you know, so like running is one thing I can rely on. Otherwise it's yeah. like, it's not natural. <laughs> so your schoolwork went better or your, or your work at, at home was better with the PT and your, and your, and your coaching stuff. If, if yeah. you're running well or running consistently. Exactly. Like it's what helps other things. A, a book for you, Kristen, or anyone listening, uh, deep work by Cal Newport. Have you heard of that book? I haven't. No Deep work. Uh, I mean, it, it really applies to really busy people, entrepreneurs, but really just anyone that's busy helping yeah. to segment your life. And that's how, that's how I segment my life, my life now. If I'm going to be yeah. on my phone checking Instagram, it's all I'm doing. Or if I'm yeah. not checking Instagram, I never check Instagram. I never just blindly check it anymore. Yes. Same with answering emails, same with writing schedules. Everything has an, every piece of time has a purpose. Yeah. It sounds like way too rigid for most people. But I think <laughs> in this day and age when we're living and working, yeah. everything is at home. It's easy for social media, family, work and running to all be just a, a stew right. and nothing's done efficiently. Yes. So that work, so that, that book deep work by Cal Newport really goes into how to, and why it's important to structure your life very rigidly. So yeah. you actually can have a life outside of work and running and family. You can have yeah. a life now if you are intentional with your time. Yeah, no, I love that. No, that's, that's awesome. I've never heard of that book and I feel it like I've heard of my life. That book changed my life. All right. Yeah. I'm ordering it. Cause I was it actually, <laughs> it did. Yeah, it did. It's actually one thing I was asking my business, um, 
one of my business coaches uh, yesterday, I was just like, okay, there's a couple of habits I need to change. What do I need? Like, can you, what do you recommend? Cause yeah. And I was like, I need to, I need to change a few it's things. It's a challenge for everyone, but I think entrepreneurs are, you know, we have a lot going on all when we control everything. It's, it can all yeah. mix together. So it's important to get a, to control it. So it doesn't control you. Yeah, no, I love it. Any other resources you want to recommend since you recommended that? Any other books you really, it doesn't have to be like running specific because this one's not, you know, um, books or anything like that. That book, I'm trying to look over my stack here. That, (laughs) that, oh, that's, that's one. Yeah. The two books I would recommend, sorry to get away from the microphone here. The two books I recommend, yeah. Deep Work by Cal Newport, kind of how to hit a flow state and work by segmenting your day. That's, that's a great book. Uh, but Conscious Coaching, The Art and Science of Building Buy-In. This is by uh, Brett Bartholomew. Heard uh, of it. Bartholomew. Yeah. Uh, it's really good on the coaching side, if you are a coach yeah. in particular. Um, and just how to um, remember that everyone's not a robot. Something that's motivational or inspiring or builds buy-in with one person or one group, one demographic, men versus women, young versus old, yeah. does not work for everyone. And um I still try to learn on the technical side of coaching big time. Um, but I'm way more interested now in learning how to build better relationships, how to, you know, get someone to trust me, how to, how I can trust them, um, how to make bridges quickly and efficiently and keep them for a lifetime, hopefully. So this book right here by uh, conscious coaching is really, really good. I think it probably goes to for management or how to run a family. I yeah. mean, it really is good at how to earn and keep trust. Yeah, no, I love it. I've heard of it before, so I've definitely heard oh, good cool. things, but I have not follow on Instagram or Facebook. He gives a lot of just just pours out advice and knowledge. Uh, yeah. Brett Bartholomew is. Um, so um, I like Brett a lot. No, oh, awesome. Sweet. Thanks for that recommendation. I love it. Totally. Cool. Um, what was I going to say? Well, we, we hit on a little bit. Like I was going to ask, like, you know, what makes, you know, the best athletes are the ones that go on to achieve their goals, I guess, you know, what makes, sets them apart. I think we kind of answered that already. Would you say through like the consistency? Uh, yeah, yeah. Consistency is number one on my end. And number two, maybe it even coalesces with this is, is buy-in. If you're going to join a team or trust a coach, uh, there are certainly people who hold their beliefs and their routines very close to themselves. Yeah. And some let me get in there and help them. I'm not going to rewrite everything because I know you're you. Right. Uh, but I, I, if you're going to hire me or trust me, uh, you need to give me some of the control so you can do the running and let me yeah. help. So, so, so athletes, need to, if they're going to join a team or hire a coach, or if you're going to hire a business coach, Kristen, yep. you need to give over some trust and buy right. in what they're doing. If you don't get out of there, go somewhere yeah. else. But if you're here, the athletes that set the routines really firmly and can, can, if they get knocked off them, get back to them quickly and they trust me. And if they don't trust me, they ask lots and lots of questions because we have lots of athletes who are cautious for a few months and then you can see us make inroads and all of a sudden things take off. You don't have to blindly trust. I would, please don't do that either. Yeah, yeah. Ask lots of questions. Make the coach or the, your leader, not necessarily prove, but, but um, show you that they know what they're doing. They have your best interests in mind. And once you're there with them, trust them. Yeah. Trust and routine, you know, really build a strong athlete coach relationship. Yeah, no, I like that. And I think that's so key, like, you know, even more than just like specific workouts and stuff. It's like, no, they have full trust in what you're doing and they trust they're going to get there. Then bam, they're set. <laughs> One, yeah. Once someone makes that leap, big things start to happen. It usually takes a few months to, to get there with someone, but um, 
yeah, like I can't, can't, especially as an athlete, for athletes listening, keep asking your coach questions. Why are we doing this workout? Why yeah. are we timing this way? Why am I doing this tune-up race? Why is that your idea for my plan? Right. Keep asking. Get, yeah. You want to know why you're doing certain things. If you don't have the, either the comfort level to ask questions or you don't feel like it's a safe space where you're not going to be ridiculed, I try to think of everything as 51-49 on that side. I make the decisions in the end. Yeah. But I don't have a ton of input on what you like, what you don't like, how you feel things are going. I'm going to ask lots of questions. I want to have this complete bridge between you and me. Um, again, I being paid to and trusted to make the decisions, but I need lots of info and input from you as well. So yeah. trust and buy-in and, and that back and forth compassion is, is a good thing to work yeah. on from day one. No, I love it. I know I was going to ask about the marathon training too. Um, what have you seen like helps your runners, especially coming from me from like a PT side, like what helps them keep like healthy as a, as a runner? Cause I feel like, you know, marathon training is intense. Um, are you guys big on like strength training or, you know, what does that process look big like? Time. <laughs> uh, first of all, just to already get an answer, uh, just to tie in a previous answer, those athletes that are consistent in their running, yeah. even, let's say even ignore mobility and strength and drills and stuff for now. If you're just consistent, you miss less days. It's much easier to keep an athlete who's rolling, rolling than an athlete who stops and starts a lot um, for different things. That's when your tendons and fascia and muscles just aren't quite used to it. Once you're an athlete usually up to speed and they can kind of cruise at a certain mileage for a while, yeah. And we're doing all the right strength and mobility work. It's injuries are much less rare. So I seem to find coming back from a marathon after time off can be an injury prone time. Yeah. Um, after a time of, you know, lowered motivation that, you know, there's those times where volatility happens when injury happens typically. So yeah. Our own beliefs. I'm a huge believer. If you have an hour in, if Kristen has an hour in her day to run, Kristen should not run for an hour. <laughs> I think you should do a five minute dynamic warm-up, and that can be individualized to your needs as a, yep. as a unique runner who needs certain things, maybe run for 45 minutes and do your, all your workout and, and stuff. And then 10 minutes after for mobility and maybe some core work and stuff. And I might even say more like 15 or 20 minutes for masters athletes or injury prone athletes. Yeah. I would always rather someone take a few miles off the run and get in our core and mobility and strength work every time of the week because that keeps you consistent. You're not going to get hurt as often, and the ball can roll. Yeah. So what we do, uh, I hired an awesome um, uh, team of personal trainers in the city, uh, husband-wife team actually, uh, that I've known for a long time to make all of our core work. So we have at-home routines you can do, and if you have gym access, gym routines you can do that is just super functional. It's not cre creative is the wrong word. It's not complex. Yeah. It's just functional and simple yeah. stuff like yeah. anterior and posterior chain, a lot of hip mobility um, type stuff that we do two or three times a week after runs. We have videos and verbal explanations on everything. Yeah. Leg, yeah. leg work is the same thing below the waist for explosive weighted and unweighted uh, work for again, um, everything between your calves and your low back. Um, that's for lower body two or three times a week at home routines and gym routines, depending on the access that you might have. Yeah, um, yeah. We also ask them to make us mobility routines. So after every run, we do a 10 minute set of things for um, your hips, your adductors, your abductors, your quads, your hamstrings, a little bit of calf work, thoracic spine. Um, we want that compressive movement of running to be opened up so you can re-enter the real world with a little bit of mobility and some activation work too. Yeah, so yeah. folks are doing that mobility routine after every single run. They're doing core work twice a week. They're doing lower body work twice a week. And then our 
team, uh, team chiropractor made us uh, these awesome warm-up routines that we do, these dynamic warm-ups. And his wife is also a uh, yoga instructor, so we have all these team-specific yoga routines for tight runners that you can do um, when you feel you need them, kind of an a la carte, you know, take them. But we give everyone like this big strength and mobility ecosystem, and then add, you have some required and some kind of, oh, yeah, I have this nail on my Achilles. We have a side Achilles routine. We have a side hip right, routine. Right. Uh, kind of designed by people who know what they're doing. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, I was going to say, gonna say with a you know team that big that you probably have something like established with that, and like that's key. Obviously, I love to hear that as a PT. Like yeah. that's going to help. <laughs> so. uh, and it could be an opportunity for you is to look into teams and groups and and, and things in your area. And yeah, uh, it's such a gap. That a lot of folks say, ah, here's a here's a core routine. We found this on YouTube. Right. <laughs> Do this, or, or the coach kind of makes it up, and that's fine. I have okay knowledge on these things but nothing compared right. to you yeah integrating with teams and going hey we can make some set routines that change every month or you know we can do clinics and demonstrations yep. that's so valuable and when a team buys into it injuries go down enjoyment goes up you feel yep. better at the last 10k of a marathon or yep. the last lap of a mile yep. you just feel better you right better firing and hip mobility you know hip, hip stability and stuff like that so yeah um, hope you can find your place with that stuff too because i'm sure you have tons of knowledge that Coaches don't always have. Yeah, yeah. I got to do it with a high school team last year because I coached at the high school level last year, so that was fun. Um, but yeah, it's just definitely like a missing piece for a lot. I mean, it's getting better, I think, than when I was in high school for sure. But it's still like did you do race in high school, Kristen? Did I what race in high school? Any strength in high school? Any along with your racing and running? Let's see. No, not at all. Let's see. Uh, I. I think I did some junior senior year just because that was my choice. I went to this, it was called speed zone at the time, but and like, even I'm trying to think like basketball, softball, cause I played other sports. Like, I don't, I think we did a little bit, maybe like off season, but I don't remember like even hitting the gym, like during the season for any of the sports, like, which is crazy. <laughs> it's, it's definitely a thing that I'd like to see happen last five to 10 to 15 years is. Yeah realize that we'd be better at our sport if we get good in the weight room, if we work on things outside of, you know, if marathoners work on speed and speed's worked on with plyometrics and, yep. and drills and, and strength and, you know, and you work on and strengthen the gym, you know, as a track athlete, we yep. complement our running. We can only run so much. We have, we can do other things outside of pounding the pavement and, and, and sprinting and yeah. workouts that really help us perform better, but also just stay healthier. Even if you're running a little bit less to fit in your strength, Yep. Anyone listening, if I can convince you to run 10% less, 20% less, but start doing strength and mobility, odds are, by the numbers, you'll, you will not get quick as fast in the short term, but you'll get faster in the long term because you get injured less yep. and you feel that long-term ball rolling. Yep. We have people on this team still improving eight years after I started coaching them back in 2012 because they never miss strength and then we can keep them healthy <laughs> and build this enormous mountain of work. Yep. You can't just run, not yeah. as adults bound to desks all day. It doesn't work. Yeah. No, I love that. And it comes back to the consistency too, because I think like the biggest part of getting, you know, faster, like what I always like to say is like even a little different spin on the consistency, but it's just like, if you can keep running, that's way more important than getting faster. So same thing, if I can keep you from not getting injured, that's 10 times more important because you get injured, then you're just doing this little spiral up and down all the time. <laughs> how are you taking your own advice? How, how am I taking my own advice? Pretty good. Yeah. No, I'm trying to think. Yeah, I am. But that's kind of where it comes from. Like I actually got injured a ton 
um, really right after college. And I was injured the last two years of college and I just ran through it. And like, I, I, you know, it was like just thinking I was doing the right things. Cause I was like, dude, Oh, I know what I'm doing. I was doing the same stuff as in college. But if, when I really think about it, I was like, no, you were like, you weren't, you didn't have the base and you're just trying to do the same stuff you did in college. And I was strength training. I always did. But like, it was just like, yeah, I wasn't, I was doing too much probably for where my, what my body could handle. And I just kept getting injured. And so like that spiraled into me, like, Hey, like I would rather run 20 miles a week and do more strength and just stay healthy. So if anything, I'm more conservative. So I'm probably more conservative with my athletes just naturally, because that's where I've been. I'm like, I'd rather keep you injury free than, than push it and risk it per se. (laughs) The same, the same keep healthy at all costs mentality. So I definitely have people yeah. it's pushing me to give them more mileage. And after a, a year or two, I'll give it to them. But you <laughs> you're not missing anything. No yeah. strength, no ability, don't miss it. You gotta get yeah. all that in first, then we can add on top of it. But, yeah. Um, no, that's awesome. And what yeah. about, so are you still like, you're really like, you're just focused on your own, on your coaching. Is that kind of fill your own, perform, you know, racing? Or do you have goals of racing or? My goal right now is to run a few times a week for two to six miles a time. I'm biking yeah. a lot actually now because it's something I can do that doesn't pound my legs too much and I can go explore and get out of my own head a little bit. Um, <clears throat> but my goal is to get two races the team is doing healthy so I can just participate in them because it's way okay. fun to be warming up with them and racing. Even if I'm not, I'm mid-pack on our team, um, but I just want to be out there sweating and hurting and, <laughs> and working healthy rather than trying to chase our top guys or gals and, and get hurt maybe along the way. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm very much in a, I love to do this so much. Or the, the, I love to run and, and train. Yeah. But I love to be healthy even more than that. I just want to be doing it. Right. The right. coin flip of health that I don't want to even remotely take right now. I'm yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Enjoy yeah. this too much. Yeah. That makes sense. No, I love yeah. it. Um, what else? Well, let's, uh, cause I don't want to take too much of your time, but, um, I'm trying to think let's go into just cause I think you might have a couple, like at the end of each episode, I like to go into and ask, um, interviewee, like what their breaking five moment has been in, and it can be for you yourself as a runner or for, you know, with an athlete that you've worked with. Um, and if you have a couple, you can share too. Um, I would just, it, it can be a moment, basically like a moment that, you know, either an athlete had a really big goal or even a goal you didn't really know was possible and they achieved it, or you've gone after something, maybe even fell short. Um, but what is your breaking five moment or an athlete's? Good, good question. Uh, to ask, to answer it literally, uh, <laughs> I broke five, that was, that was a big goal of mine when I started to get, uh, uh, interested in running. So I broke it as yeah. a sophomore in high school. I ran 457 at a dual meet and it was something I'd aimed for and run the five O's a couple of times and, and then knocked the door down uh, my sophomore year. And it was always you know, a fun thing to break. I, I've broken a couple of times since then. Uh, and I know it always kind of drives me to get back to that mall mark. So a lot of the guys in our team and the elite women in our team kind of shoot for that as a, as a fun thing to do. So I do like the literal asking of that question. I, I, yes, I yes. always hold that memory dearly doing that in, in sophomore year of high school. Yeah. Uh, I like, thought with that, that question, when I found, I was like, Oh, most guys that I bring on, like they're going to have an actual breaking five moment in high school usually like, cause that's the big thing in high school, you know? And yeah, obviously females too, but like, that's a lot. It's a, it's a lot rare. more work and yeah. Yeah. yeah, a lot more rare. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I'm looking forward to watching your journey. I don't want to derail that. I'm, I'm super <laughs> excited to, to see you chase it and get it. Um, <laughs> My own personal, uh, you know, uh, running moment, I've actually, you know, I was very fortunate to have my 
um, have my father be my father, especially, you know, in, in life, but in my running journey, yeah. um, trying to think which one to give, because I have a couple of good examples here. Um, the best, the best example is probably, uh, my senior year of cross country. Uh, I'll try to keep, I have a couple of stories. So I'll keep them yeah, short. You can, you can share whatever. My senior year of cross country, our team was ranked very well. We were ranked second in the state and we were winning. It was, we just kind of went to a meet and won it. It was kind of an afterthought. We went to a big meet down in Peoria, which is, you know, it was called the uh, Peoria Notre Dame Invitational, kind of a preview meet of the state meet to come later in, this, in the year. Um, our team was ranked to win it, and we got third. We just kind of phoned it in, had that, that mentality that all we had to do was show up and win, and I had the same thing too. I showed up and ran like garbage because I just thought it would come very easily. I think we had a week or two before our next Invitational. It was a flighted meet, which means that every, all the first runners run in the same race, all the second runners, all the third, so were seven races yeah we were kind of seated based on uh you know where you'd first man second man third man i was our fourth man and we were a very deep team so as as fourth guy on the team i probably was expected to win that race um so my father had always encouraged mental visualization and self-belief and kind of an um a relentless self-belief so for that race i visualized for every waking moment for probably the 14 days between finishing my bad race and having this good race how I was going to own the race and different things that could happen, what the weather was going to be like, what the grass was going to smell like, what the voices were going to sound like yelling at me. I visualized the exact perfect race and then some kind of spinoff races of what would happen. Um, and anyway, I just went over it so much in my head and it's something I encourage our athletes to do now. Um, deep, deep five sense mental visualization. Yeah. Um, that I went to this race and kind of just ran on autopilot, but now autopilot was like a vicious killer of a racer. And I just destroyed everyone in this race, won this seated heat and awesome. charged the hill I won the charge and sprinted where I won the sprints. And I made no decisions during the race. So it was kind of a flow state yeah. type thing because I'd already written the computer program in my head. All yeah. I had to do was go for it and, and just be assertive and, and confident in myself as I did it. Mm -hmm. um, so that was a big like, oh yeah, you're not just a floating uh, variable in a race you that doesn't mean every person can win there's only one winner or but everyone has a shot at PRing or accomplishing something so um, if weather's bad you can still control certain things if if you're this versus you know you have these strengths versus the other person's strengths and weaknesses you can make your own plan but I, you know the big thing there was I have certain things I can control I'm gonna control the hell out of them I have certain yeah. things I can't control I'm gonna control my reaction to those things yes. and that's a very powerful thing when you know what you can and can't do and you're either in charge of them or in charge of your reaction to them so um, that was a big like and I refer to that moment frequently with my own coaching now rarely with running I, I, uh, I I'm not the stakes aren't high enough for me anymore but um, is how to take charge of a situation that was my breaking five moment with that kind of thing yeah um, oh, I'll call out an athlete because I'm really, really proud of her. Um, <laughs> uh, there's so many examples, but this one just jumps to mind because I still use her so often as an example. Yeah. Uh, her name is Sarah David. Um, I, uh, she made the Olympic trials for 2020, so she ran in Atlanta this past year awesome. uh, um, for the trials. And I started coaching her in December, I believe, of 2018. Um, she had a 252 marathon PR goals to make the Atlanta a year later. Um, we trained her for the grandma's marathon. It went great. She had PRs at uh, the half marathon and some other distances along the way. Yeah. And she got there and we had talked about going out slowly and working her way into the race, into her goal pace and not being affected to go back to my thing 30 seconds ago, not be affected by uh, things you can't control and other people. Yeah. And I think she just had probably a mo moment of insecurity and weakness and she went out too fast and she didn't believe in herself and it turned into a little bit of a hot day, not hot enough to affect 
of person to go out slowly, but she went out a little quick and just got, got kind of burned by her early, um, probably the word is insecurity. Um, yeah. And she ran 250, a great time, but not what we were looking for. Yeah. Um, trained all summer again for the Indy Marathon, Indy Monumental, looking to get fitter again. But she got a little bit fitter probably, didn't take a huge leap. Workouts were a little better, but she took this, we had the mantra for everything was control your body, control your emotions. You're in charge of how you carry yourself. You're not yeah. just a piece of seaweed in the, in the uh, getting carried along by the ocean. You are, you are a wave. You are very much in charge of what's going on out there. So yeah. she went to Indy and went to take a step back. When I had seen her at grandma's, it was like she had seen a ghost the whole race. She was oh. very much like a victim mentality out there. But at Indy, yeah. she was smiling and waving. She sat behind the elite women's group for 15 miles because they were going too fast and she was just waving to us and giving us thumbs up and pumping her fist at us and talking to us during the race as we were watching her. And then the last 10 miles, she kind of just mowed through the field. So again, we didn't make her that much fitter, maybe a couple minutes marathon right, ability, but right. she PR'd by six and ran 244 because <laughs> she hardwired her brain to know that I'm in charge. I, I can, uh, you know, I, I'm in, you know, no matter what hits me, I have these things I can do and these things I'm going to react to. And, yeah. and I, and Dan and me have gotten really fit and, I'm going to enjoy the, the challenges that come up in a race and not be afraid of the challenges that come up. She was very much enjoying the, uh, that day. And she afterwards said that race felt way easier than a race that was six minutes uh, slower because she felt empowered by the experience, not um, suffocated by it. So yeah. uh, hopefully a word of wisdom to, to everyone out there is no matter what happens to you on race day, you can see who has, I try to call it an offensive or a defensive mentality. Yeah. Offense, you can't PR or win or succeed every race, but you can always have an offensive mentality. What can I control? Control those things. Control the crap out of them. Yeah. What can't I control? The weather, changes in weather, this pace group passing me. I dropped my cup of water, my gel slipped in my pocket. <laughs> but I can control my reactions. And when I see someone yeah. calmly going through a race and smiling and being positive, they're in control of their reactions. If they're always on defense – yeah. Races don't go very well. That goes for the mile, for the marathon. You can't control it all, but you have to be on offense. And so I saw her have a breaking five moment when she just controlled her headspace. Nothing yeah. runs in space in Sarah's brain on November, whatever that was last year. I should know that date by memory by now. <laughs> um, but she owned her headspace. And we have a lot of folks in the team who make that breakthrough, but yeah, she was so scared at ground. I, I, at least she came off that way and she was so calm at Indy. And um, really had a moment like that. We have lots of others, um, but yeah. but big props to Sarah for for owning her space. Yeah, that's awesome. And I just yeah, it's just so how important like the the headspace is to running. I mean, it really just is like the game changer. I feel like, and you know, I've talked about it in my own journey, but I just feel like I did not master that in college at all, and like slowly post college started to and kind of slipped back into old ways once I got back to the mile, but. It's just, yeah, it's key. Is there anything you have your athletes do? It sounds like obviously you're getting on these calls and um, you have these tips and stuff, but you have things that they're working on that you give them from a you know mental yeah. aspect. <laughs> some, I think most folks should do some sort of visualization and it can be really deep um, in, you know, in, in pervasive uh, uh, you know, uh, visualization the same way I, I used to do in high school and college and we have a lot of people doing that. But some folks no matter how much you try it, it kind of feels like they're trying to over-control the moments and they can't quite, um, then they, they get really claustrophobic doing too much of that. And they want to kind of um, come out a little bit, a little more free form and kind of just see what the moment takes them. But the biggest thing I have them do is over and over and over again, 
this offensive mentality thing. Realize that you cannot control everything, but you can control your attitude. Yeah. Just practice. So every time we have a crappy weather day in training and we get to a long run, it's 80 degrees and humid. The runs are about to start. I'm like, we can't control this and we're going to keep the workout where it is, but we're going to adjust our expectations. You see who smiles and is ready to go. Yeah. You see who starts chattering, making excuses. And what do we do now? Adjust expectations. Don't adjust your attitude. Yeah. So we try to have this relentless positive attitude about I can control my efforts and my attitude. That's what will ultimately make you a great fighter and racer is if I'm relentlessly open to all the challenges, positive things, not negative, I control my headspace. And it doesn't mean you're a robot. If you have a crappy day of weather and you're hoping to PR, it doesn't mean you automatically grin. Right. You're going to frown at first and be pissed, but embrace that emotion. Yep. And then go, you know what? Emo- I once heard someone describe toughness as, you know, like really deep emotional control. Mm-hmm. That's all toughness is. It doesn't mean that tough people don't feel fear or right. feel sadness or feel yeah. things. You know how to internalize it, probably feel it for a minute or two or an hour or how, depends how big it is. Yeah. Then we you know what? I'm ultimately in control of my emotions. Yeah. So it, it takes so much time to learn this. So learning emotional control. How do I take in an emotion, identify it, yeah. and then work to control it? Do I control, and then knowing, knowing what I control, what I don't control on a race day or a workout day or a, a big challenge in front of you, control the controllables and have a good attitude about things you can't. Enjoy the fight. Don't look at it as a bad thing. Right. Take time, but we can practice them in daily runs, like out for an easy five mile or something crappy happens, practice yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like that's important in anything in life, right? Like that's just a key for anything. You know, it's not just running, but it transfers to running, which I just love about running. Yeah. No, no, big time. Um, it's going to be a total segue here. Uh, but my, <laughs> my wife is pregnant and she's doing eight weeks, but hearing her talk about how she's going to, you know, handle herself. We, you know, she's, we've been reading lots of things about you could have a, have a plan for your labor day, but you know, it's it, all kinds of stuff can happen. Health of the baby, yeah. you know, things that Allie goes through um, and to be super, you know, firm in your ambition, but flexible in your outcome type stuff. And Allie's a super big uh, thing on that. So she started calling up all these things that she's done as a runner, as an athlete, mm-hmm. as a, as a person for so long. So I think if you work on your ability to improvise and just take a good attitude to every challenge in life, which is hard to do. And I'm right. not that Allie's far better than I am. Um, you at least start to frame challenges as good things, not as why me victim mentality. Right. right. Yeah, no, exactly. It's everywhere. You're so right. This is not a running thing. This is a small niche of life. Yeah. She's applying it to her pregnancy, to her, you know, you don't know. It's a much more serious thing, but it applies. She just is ready to kick ass on that day. She'll probably kick ass and it's going to be tough in a variety of ways, but. I love it. And congrats. Is that your guys' first kid or do you guys have? Yeah, that, that's our first child. So that'll probably be a big, a big ripple in, in, yeah. in, in, the, in the fabric of how we have home life and work balance life. But yeah, um, but yeah, no way for that challenge. And we'll hopefully have the, 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 the growth mindset on that thing. Uh, yes. As we move through this. Same thing yeah. like everything else. Right. So <laughs> we're ready for it to get kicked in the ass. We'll, we'll figure it out. <laughs> you know, that's going to, that's exciting though. <laughs> oh. Well, is there anything else you would like to share that we didn't hit on that you can think um, of? Anything? I mean, I mean, I mean, stuff about our team. You can always, if you're interested in anything for our team, check us out on Instagram, follow me on Strava, follow me on Facebook. I mean, stuff like that. It's all good. Send us an email. Uh, if you're in Chicago land, it's cool to have new uh, contacts and, and people uh, on the team when, when there's space. Um, but no, it, 
I think uh, I mean, we kept touching on it. It's, you know, it's a thing that I think most athletes get wrong. It's going to be a super niche piece of advice, yeah. uh, but to take a holistic approach to your running yeah. holistic. So that takes all self-awareness. If you just go for a run and other things with your running kind of happen, if there's time, right. it's rarely time. So have, look at your mobility, your strength. Am I doing running drills? How's my sleep? How am I eating? Um, am I hydrating well? Take 10 steps back and look at your running from a holistic approach. Do I need a coach? Do I not need a coach? Will that suffocate me? Yeah. Do I need to work on strength stuff? Should I hire a personal trainer? Should I follow this on YouTube? Mm-hmm. Get a holistic sense of your running. You'll enjoy it a lot more when you look at it as running is just one, any, my dad describes it this way. Anyone can run. And it's yeah. great. It's awesome. <laughs> the champions are built and the folks that enjoy it the most ultimately are the folks that take a holistic approach to making this kind of you know 10 prong approach to your running look into that stuff and you get a way better appreciation for your body how it moves how your mind works have you done visualization training yeah look at that stuff it's not just an eight mile run every day that's anyone can do that almost anyone can do that right right no i love that and that's understanding of the sport is a holistic approach yeah yeah and that's definitely something i believe in and stand for too it's just that whole holistic approach and um so i'm happy that you're doing that and you're doing that for a big group and like yeah no it's just really awesome to see (laughs) um and i know you said it really quick but i do like to you know give you a chance to share where people can find you so where can people find you like what is your you know the ig handle email whatever you want to give out we can yeah so instagram i think is is dw i know is dw running one uh we don't have yeah so with the with the one numeral after dw running uh facebook is dw running uh you can follow me on strava dan walters i live in chicago um kind of a big strava community i love how strava just ties people together you share each other's ups and downs it's a cool way to connecting with people's fitness journeys. Um, I have a Twitter handle, DLB running, but don't use it that much. Um, <laughs> I, um, but those are really the ways to follow us. I think Instagram gives a pretty good view of, of what we're doing, how we're doing it and the things we stand for. Yeah. Awesome. So yes, definitely. And I'll put those in the show notes too. Uh, if you want to get in yeah. and websites, dwrunning.com too. Okay. DW running. Mm-hmm. Perfect. And like, I mean, like you said, there's a wait list, but still, if you want to know what he's doing, if you yeah. do want to get on that wait list, um, just so you know, like that is where you can find him. And um, thanks so much for coming on today. That was awesome. Like, the best, it's been a super fun talk. Thank you. Yeah. It's been great to, to get to know. And like, I just know what I can see online, but um, I'm, it's super awesome to see you doing something uh, for the running community in general. And I just love your passion and dedication and, and just all of that. So thank you very much. <laughs> Thank you, Kristen. You have a good one. You too. Bye. Bye. All right. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode of Breaking Five, a running podcast. We hope you are running away with some inspiration, tips, and actionable items that you can put towards your Breaking Five moment. Lastly, if you know anyone else with a Breaking Five moment, that doesn't have to actually mean literally Breaking Five, just a breaking five moment in general, in running, in life, or anyone else who has great knowledge and background in helping others reach their breaking five moment, I would love for you to put me in contact with them. We would love to have them on the show. So if you could and let them know, if you know of someone else, tell them to reach out to me at my Instagram, and that is at Kristen underscore run your life. Again, that's at Kristen underscore run your life. And could you do me a favor? And if you enjoyed today's episode and can think of anyone else who could benefit from listening to it, could you go ahead and share this out on your social media or share this directly with them? That would mean the world to me, seriously. 
and make sure if you have not already, make sure you are subscribed to this podcast so that you get our weekly updates as we drop the next episodes. Thank you, everyone. We seriously appreciate you tuning in today. We'll see you next time. And until then, go run your life.